Go ahead. You're the famous one. You're the famous one. Welcome to Chai Chat, everybody. <laughs> Did your life change when you got famous? Did my life change? Yeah. For the worst? For the worst. What's our shop topic today? You need the paparazzi. Father Simon. No, no. The topic is Father Simon. We're talking about the church, the mother church, the liturgical season of the crowning of the church, which we are in now. We just started. Crowning or also AKA or, or, yeah. sanctification of the church. Sanctification. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. You're drinking chai. It's chai chai, bro. The bishop used a word the other day. Dedication? No, it was in, in Chaldean. Oh, no, actually, he was doing Arabic mass. I forgot which word, but I remember. Take. So this season that starts usually in the no, beginning of November, it's at the end of the liturgical cycle. Yeah. You know, one of these? And then, then uh, I hope I'm right about this, but I, I always assumed it's an eschatological season. Is that right? I, I mean, I can explain. Not exactly. The, the eschatological season thematically was Elijah. Mm. Mm. Um, that became, like, it was originally the cross season, then they brought in Elijah as the sort of, es so there was, and they're sort of centered around one of the Sundays there, but that's the sort of more eschatological. Although in Kudash Eta or Kudash Eta, there is, like, revelation themes or, like, eschatological, it's the glory of the church as opposed to the missionary work of the apostles on earth. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you work through it, let me just work through the whole yeah, liturgical yeah. year. You Please. start with Advent as a preparation for the coming of Christ. Christmas season. So Advent and Christmas are sort of about the nativity. Then the Epiphany season is about the Epiphany feast is about the baptism, but the season is about the baptism and the preaching of Christ, the sort of revelation to the world in his preaching. Then Lent, which is, again, both his fasting and his suffering, but it's also a preparation for Holy Week. And then Holy Week, and then the, the Easter season that ends at the Ascension in 40 days. And then the Ascension to Pentecost, sort of Novena, nine-day season. Then Pentecost goes into the season of the Apostles and their preaching. Then the Apostles and their preaching go to summer, which is like, it, it really is about the sort of fruit of repentance. They're, they're sowing the seeds and then the, the, the nations are repenting. That's the sort of um, fruit of the preaching on earth. Then the cross season is the glory of the faith on earth because it has to do with Constantine finding the cross and the, and the conversion of, of the Roman Empire to Christianity. And then at the very end, is so I think you could maybe you could argue that it's eschatological. Yeah. Eschatological as coming in the last the last um, yeah. it's the last thing in the plan of salvation. The word eschatological eschatological means the end of time, the sort of the end of history. Then maybe you could also be looking at church triumphant too. I think that's what you it know? is, right? Yeah. I mean the sanctification of the yeah, yeah. crowning. Like what our goal is as followers of Christ, like when we walk with Jesus through the whole liturgical year and through the that whole journey, then we we will also be crowned, right? Uh, with the so when you say the, the church, church triumphant, as opposed to so the different marks of the church, right? So the church uh, militant here on earth, uh, okay. then there's church suffering in purgatory, in purgatory, and yeah. then there's the church triumphant, church triumphant, yeah. yeah. So the church sort of has three has three locations, yeah, earth, purgatory, and heaven. And sort of de facto, the church isn't in hell because the church is those that are yeah. attached to Christ. Yeah. And hell is by de facto, is by definition, those separated from God. Hmm. So I like that. I mean, that I don't know of any other liturgical calendar in the universal church that has like... So 
this is like what they call proleptic, right? So proleptic um, means like commemorating or celebrating something that hasn't yet happened, that's going to happen in the future, that we know is going to happen in the future. So if the sanctification of the church is an eschatological season that we're already celebrating now, we're in, a, in the liturgy already <coughs> participating in the glory that is to come with the coming of Christ when he brings the church to himself and finishes his work of sanctification. I don't think you're wrong, but I don't think it's proleptic because the church is already glorified in heaven now. Hmm. So I don't think it's a future thing. I think even now... Well, a future both, thing for us, maybe, for an individual member. Yeah, but it's just the proleptic thing. I actually don't... I think proleptic language is kind of... Is a theological kind of invention, but um, but it's the, the church is glorified now, not only because there are souls in heaven united to God perfectly, but because Christ, His physical body, is in heaven after the ascension, and Our Lady, as model and symbol of the church, is already there, body and soul as well. And so I think the church is already glorified in them in absolutely every full sense. So there's just sort of some members of the body that still have to make it, which is a lot of them, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> what so, else? So, <laughs> so what do you guys think when people see, because once someone hears the word church, they see it as just the building, just the church building. You know, or just the clergy. Or just the mm -hmm. clergy. That's with our people, yeah. 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 Oh, the church. Yeah, like, ah, you're the church too. So if you if you want to blame the church for something, you're a member of the church just as much as we are. Yeah. That's so. one of the reasons why in the early church, um, some sins were made manifest all the members because you're a member of the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, and therefore your sin damages and hurts yeah. the other members of the church. When one member suffers, the whole body suffers. That's yeah. That's what we read last week at Mass from St. Paul. And there are ways that that's like visibly obvious. Yeah. Like if a guy steals from another guy, you're damaging the guy's property or whatever. But there are sort of silent ways where that's less... It's harder to sort of see publicly, but it's still there. Every, in some way, in some mystical way, every sin, even the most private mm -hmm. sin, harms the whole body of Christ. I mean, the no word church in Greek means ecclesia, the assembly. Assembly, yeah. Assembly of people together, people connected people together, together for yeah. Yeah. more or less the same reason. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just people sort of in the same physical location. That's why it's not the building. Yeah. You know, if if it were just like we're just together, and if togetherness really just meant we're in the same place, I mean, then being at Walmart is is it a church? No, it's obviously they're not. There's not even a connection. They're yeah, just sort yeah. of in the same location. So the connection, the being together, is through faith in Christ and through love, right? That's, these are the things that make us one. We, have, we believe all the same truths about Christ and we love Christ together and through Christ we love each other. That's a real connection of human beings with their intellects and wills, not just our bodies are in the same place. The, the word, the, the Greek word ekklesia was... Um, it's used the, in scripture. It's used in scripture, but it was used in ancient texts even before the gospel was written, um, and it was a common word actually. It just meant a, it meant an assembly of people, especially uh, in political um, gatherings and things mm -hmm. like that. So it was more it was kind of a political like a senate. Yeah, like a senate, something like yeah. that, you know. Um, and I think including the people as well. So it wasn't just like only political bodies, but it was a political gathering, you know. Um, so it was people living together as as co-citizens. Yeah, of the yeah, same. exactly. Yeah. Like like citizenship. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then the gospel 
when Jesus uses it, and it's it's translated as ecclesia, and uh, it's used at least that Greek word is used. It's, the the gospel basically transformed the word to mean exclusively the 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 body of Christ, the people that are surrounded by Christ, and it came to be understood as the people surrounded surrounding you know the people that are gathered together uh, in worship, especially in relation to the Eucharist. Yeah. So the ecclesia, the church, and the Eucharist both being the body of Christ, have this kind of... Um... I think you to turn it on. Oh, whoops. Yeah. Did you get any of that? Okay, good. Okay, let me talk about that then, because there's a cause and effect relationship that is really easy to get backwards. Okay, so it's not... It's completely wrong to think that because we are the body of Christ, we're able, as the body of Christ, to produce... The Eucharist. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely backwards. It's, it's the Eucharist, because the Eucharist is the body of Christ and we receive it, as a result of that, we are the body of Christ. So we are the, like, it's the Eucharist which causes us to gather, but it also causes us to be the body of Christ. That was a big debate, by the way. That yeah. was a huge debate. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very strongly on, on that side of yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think Augustine says something um, really nice about what you just said. He said, um, God created the world for the church. And it sort of goes parallel to what you're saying. You know, that we have the church in order to go back to Him. You know, He, Christ comes to us um, and leaves us as church to return back to Him. And we're created and, in the world so that we can be united to God. Yeah. And that's what the church is, is this, this assembly that's united to God. That's actually, so that, that debate was... Um, had everything to do with the with the priesthood, you know. People were asking, right. you know, is there a need for the priesthood? If we're the community of Christ, you know, then we can produce the sacraments. But the the church is the church has always taught that we don't actually produce anything. It's all given to us by God, and and the way God has ordained it is that it's given to us through the um, through the bishops and the priests who aid them. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's how Jesus established it right. with, yeah. with his apostles. You know, right. he chose apostles and then he, he instructed them to go preach and baptize. He gave them the grace of the Holy Spirit and then they, they were the ones that spread that to the world. And that's why a lot of the prayers in, in the season end up having to do with the priesthood somehow. Right. You know, there's a, a lot of these hymns, if you open like the Emmanuel book and look at the this season of the church, a lot of them just have have like... There'll be just these glorious hymns with all these images, and then they just kind of ends, it settles on the priesthood. Mm. Go to the fourth Oh, the fourth Sunday. one. Uh, right there. You just missed it. Wasn't it right there? Yeah. Find it there. The fourth one, it's just this beautiful poem about all these symbols. Read, read that one. Give thanks, O church, O queen, to the prince who has espoused you and brought you into his summer home and given you the dowry of blood that flowed from his side for you, and clothed you with the robe of splendid unending light, and placed upon your head the adorned and illustrious crown of glory, and as with a pure thurible has perfumed your scent before all, and like a flower blossoms and the buds of spring has increased your radiance, and freed you on Golgotha from slavery to idols. Therefore adore his cross, on which he suffered for you and exalted your lowliness. Honor the priests who extol you with their works and cry out to him, glory to you. Yeah. Wow. So all this stuff, so like Jesus is the, is the groom, the church is the bride, the incense is your perfume, 
it's all these like awesome images that are so cute. Like all liturgical. Yeah. The, your your summer home, uh, the, the dowry that he gives you is the blood that came from his side. The cloth clothing, like your wedding dress, is the is light. Your crown is glory itself. All these beautiful things, and then at the very end of all that, like pray for the priests and honor them. You know, it's like it seems to come out yeah. of nowhere, but there's this connection between. Uh, the priest, priesthood and the church, that, that is sort of cause and effect. But the thing that is like scary about that is we can also damage the church that easily. Mm -hmm. And the scandals that have happened because of the priesthood, because of the episcopacy, because of like the, the, the I mean, the scandals that happened that were revealed, that happened for decades, but were revealed at the beginning of this 20th century, at the end of the 2000s, at the end of the 1900s and beginning of 2000s, because of this cause and effect relationship, a priest has such a possibility to damage the church so deeply in like a like just a terrible way and that's the part that I, like, I reflected it's just like so scary to me because yeah. now like like i'm damaging not only my salvation but that of others because people look to us for better or worse as models and i hate that because like i'm i'm no a model to anybody but the fact is i'm a priest and that is sort of part of the priesthood and so it's such a scary thing that like when a priest does something or does something wrong or something like that, these people are going to see him and oh, I guess then it's okay, and it's not okay, and like who's going to go and clarify that? You know. I think people see the priests, like, like if you think about the presidency or a senator or, something like, or governor or something like that, we think of them as leaders, you know, in relation to judicial and civil matters, but I don't think people see they do, but I think the the, the bigger way people see priests is more as symbols than than leaders because we don't have any judicial power you know yeah. um so yeah and some sim symbols have a huge effect on people yeah and as symbols we're uh, sort of walking symbols yeah yeah so that's so there's all a lot of pressure on that there's a lot of possible damage and therefore please pray for priests a lot like it's, it's an important sort of ministry that lay people have a responsibility that they have to pray for pray for priests that's we pray for you all the time it's kind of part of the the sacrifices we offer and everything that we do, but like we need prayers, you know, as as much as anybody else, or maybe more. Because because we have all that responsibility, and we're not any less sinners than anybody yeah, else. we're just as flawed as anybody else, or more. And the responsibility of a priest now in the in this day and age that we're living, it's much different than it was decades ago. You yeah. know, because now there's a bunch of administrative responsibilities, spiritual responsibilities, so on, so on and so forth. So you're just putting on a bunch of hats, you know, yeah. and trying to stay afloat. Yeah, that's the worst. There was a time, like, you know, like it wasn't, it's not like unrealistic that somebody like, oh, I'd love to be a priest and then I can like offer the sacraments yeah, and I can pray for people and I can preach the gospel. And like, yeah, that's why we all did it too. Yeah. And now we're like in meetings and we're like listening to people like, like talk during like board meetings and we're, like making chai chat. No, that's part of the preaching stuff. Like, <laughs> no, this and, is cool. And we're like filling out paperwork and then when you get married you have to do a million files and and like, oh gosh, like I thought I was just going to be praying for yeah. people and preaching the gospel. It's not. It's, a lot of this stuff is not fun. Well, how you know? were the first deacons chosen, right? Uh, it yep. was because the, the, apostles, the apostles wanted to teach and they wanted to give all of their time to preaching the word. And they didn't want to, you know, waste their time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't say that. It just said they wanted to dedicate themselves. And so they right. picked others yeah, to take yeah. care of. The sort of administrative stuff. That's what you're saying, that. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to like, I was trying to be polite about it. So they picked deacons. Yeah. yeah, which is fine. We love our deacons. We love our deacons. Yeah, we do have some good deacons here. Yeah, but but by by extension, 
especially since like in the last 70 years or so in the church, lay people have an increasing role in that. And it's sort of like, okay, cool. Lay people, you have an increasing responsibility to bring, so the priest, let's say, brings the word of God both through preaching and through sacrament to the, to the lay people. And now it's lay people's job to go into the world. That's sort of right. the way the church is structured. And you preach to non-believers. We can do that too. And, you know, maybe somebody who's not a member of the church like watches yeah, your yeah. stuff on TikTok or your or podcast or watches Chai Chat or whatever. All that's great, but it, the f- fundamental responsibility to preach to the world is with lay people. Yeah. The people have a role to... To sanctify the world. Sanctify. So yeah. I would, you know, I always get very irritated when people only talk about priests or about the problems in the church. Although, like we said, there are a lot of problems. There are a lot of priests who have done many, many criminal evil things, right? But you're a member of the church, right? So you have to sanctify the world as well. So instead of speaking badly about the church or from or in, instead of running away from the church, run to the church. Be be holy yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, and the church will be more holy because exactly. you are. And like, remember, like all of us have a different responsibility. We're all members of the body of Christ. So the eye can't do what the ear can do and so on. So there are things that lay people are responsible for and that they can do that a priest can't. By law, by church law, a priest, for example, can't run for office. And so there's a sort of limitation to what we can do politically. It's not, it's not, and people are like, oh, why don't the priest do something? There's these laws that we don't like. Why don't the priest do something about the laws? Okay, look, I'll do something about the laws when you can forgive sins. But like there's a division of labor here. We're forgiving sins, we're baptizing, we're saying mass, we're doing all these things, and we're preaching the gospel. All right, now it's your turn to do something about it. And if there's something you, you think the world is moving in the wrong direction and away from the gospel, that's on you. It's on you. It's not on us. We have the part that we're doing. And like that division of labor is, labor is really important because when we're not doing that and when there was a time when priests, for example, in South America, got really involved with political things that were really serious. It was like very heavy, like almost slavery of, of the poor, all these sort of unjust things. And priests became basically just political agents. There was something a little bit off about that. And now there's a similar pressure in America to kind of eat the church, like for political um, agents or parties to like absorb the church into itself. Like, no, the church is the church. And the clergy are the clergy. And lay pe- And there's an overlap between society and the church. But lay people have that role, not the clergy. And that's, that's something that people get frustrated and they're upset about this and that. It's just like, uh, you're, you're, it's, it's misguided. You know? People so often think that the separation of church and state is to uh, essentially save you know, society from becoming overly Christian or something like that. But it's actually, it's there in protection of the church, not in protection of the government or of... You're talking about American law. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about American yeah. law. Yeah. It's there for that reason, so, yeah. that the, so, that, so that the church is not politicized. Yeah. Well, I think when, when people talk about that, why doesn't the church do anything? I think more specifically, people want a priest to go to the pulpit and start... Um, preaching about all all kinds of you know political things that are uh, going on now, and we it's, just can't. And some, some of it is part of the gospel, sure. I'm not it saying is, it's, it's but a, it's not like we have strings attached, and you could yeah, just yeah, get a priest exactly. to do whatever you want when it's convenient for yeah. you. Here's you know? the thing: like we have gospels that we're supposed to preach on on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go like you know whatever the, the sort of pet issue is that's bothering you yeah. today. Like, yeah, there's there's bigger things than that. I'm just mad I can't be president, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you weren't yeah. born here, right? 
You weren't even, you're not even, yeah, you can't even, yeah, it's because of that. Father Danny was born in Greece. Fun fact of the day. Fun fact of the day. Were you? Not because of church law, I just can't. Me too. You were the first American-born Chaldean priest. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget. That's what your dad always calls me. (laughs) Yeah, introduces me as that. The youngest priest in the world for like. I mean, you can make that argument. The youngest Catholic priest, maybe. Yeah, probably. Because although maybe there were other Easterners too. Probably, yeah. I was twenty-four. The the law in the Roman rite is twenty-five. I was twenty-three. Yeah, you were younger than me. What about you? The first. I was an old man when I was. You were like seventy-five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have some. Yeah, we have an ordination coming up. Yeah. Soon to be Deacon Tristan. Yep. Yep. AKA Terrence. Yeah. <laughs> December 10th, 6 p.m. Mass. Coming up December 10th, 2021. Right? What year is it? 2021. <laughs> in case you're watching this in the future. We're canonizing him, is so, that what you so, said? Yeah. We're canonizing his name. <laughs> yeah. So oh, if, if you're watching this, uh, pray for Tristan Ordinandi Mitsimana, soon to be ordained. For a grace to overflow in his heart, and then he'll be a priest sometime next year, maybe mid-year, yeah. early summer. And then we have a whole other, yeah, it's exciting. Nice, good. That's great. Yeah. All right. Is it that time? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. What are we doing now? We got to do this. Bro, did you? No, I didn't look. <laughs> don't ask did you buy Just anything? don't even ask him. You're not participating in this, man. I'm not participating in this, no. This is collegiality, man. I'm... This is synod on synodality. <laughs> synodality. Speaking of weird things in the church. Orders. orders. Here we go. Okay. I got a commentary on the book of Proverbs. There. That's going to be boring as heck. <laughs> <laughs> the one I recommended? Yeah. yeah listen. It's going to be boring, man. It's not bad, man. Men's knowledge of reality it's... and introduction to Thomistic epistemology. Also boring. No, epistemology is interesting. I like how that's boring, but mine <laughs> yeah. isn't. It's a, scripture, bro. I got a little Mary statue. Aww. <laughs> For your room yeah, or something? Jesus. Yeah. Habibi, man. You're a cutie. Oh. Delivered yesterday? Oh, no, that's not oh, no. arriving today. Should we do the thing? Today. Yeah. I mean... You mentioned the hymn, man, so don't get mad at me for saying we should sing it. Actually, all, all, he, said, it? all he said was the thing. What? You don't know what thing he was referring to. Yeah, you're reading into it. Yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned I love thing. when I get p- people like email me like years later, my students from five years ago. Father, I had a question about this philosophical topic. Archive. <laughs> <laughs> my job is done. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, what do you, you want to sing in Chaldean? Yeah. In Aramaic? It's a long Which one, one, man. Oh, you want to do the whole thing? Okay. We all know it from weddings. So this is, yeah, this is the hymn that we read earlier but in um, Aramaic. It's actually my favorite uh, liturgical um, lehen, what do they say, melody? Melody? Oh, yeah, it's nice, yeah. it's pretty. And it's said in at weddings, like, very often. Yeah. yeah. He always starts at the weddings here. No, no, he, he always started, started at the weddings. It's a tradition. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't make me laugh. Motod hu yu alaha no. Odayo eta melektar baramal kadmacharech. Walech el kaitone. Yaulech parnith admar men satre ardilech. Walf sheikh slanura gayad la patar samre sheikh. Clean the raw shwee ha, 
تجبات وقت پرمام دخیا و سمرحق عین کل نشوخ واردم هبا و پقعینی سال از گیل رخ و حارخ بگا غلتم من عودو ثدب ثخرن زغاد ها خلص لیون دویحش عالب پیکو رم رم شبلو ثخ یقر کانت زیحو خضام لیهون وقعی بشو حالخ